Welcome, my name is Tanai, and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For a decade, I dove into my own personal development to try to heal what I thought was commitment phobia and realize that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia and talk to experts, friends, coaches, therapists about what it really takes to create deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobia. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, my guest is Derek Hart, who is a couples rebuilder. I love this name. Derek and I met at a virtual retreat. I know that sounds funny, but it was put on by one of my intimacy coaches, Amy Batuski, who's been a guest on the show. It was like a singles retreat, basically, where we where we did a bunch of intimacy work and Derek was there as a participant and so was I. But then I friended Derek on Facebook and he just puts out so much wisdom and it's always these truth bombs on social media. So I'm really excited to dive into those today and have Derek share a little bit of his knowledge and wisdom with you. So welcome, Derek. Thank you. Nice to be here. Love what you said so far. It's great. So tell us what is a couples rebuilder and how did you step into this role? Yeah. What led you to become a couples rebuilder? You know, I started in uh, actually, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but in 1990, I was 20 years old and I attended uh, a Codependence Anonymous 12-step program. And, you know, I, I, I was actually in a way a little jealous of people that could go to AA because they got all these, you know, you know, they got to go to all these great meetings and connect with people. And I didn't really have a substance abuse problem, but I was just fascinated with relationships and hitting a pretty deep bottom myself. So I, once I went there, I was just home, you know, being in uh, a, a group of people that were risking and sharing and being open about all their struggles with relationships. And I wound up speaking, you know, on the speaker circuit and sponsoring people and I can't even imagine what I was telling people when I was 20 years old, but I was sitting in front of people all day long, helping them. And, uh, you know, and after those meetings, if you've ever been to a 12 step meeting, people go to Denny's after and sit there till one in the morning. And, you know, and, uh, I did that for about 24 years, uh, different things. And I, I taught Buddhism, I taught grief recovery, but it was about seven years ago that I realized the one thing that is the most healing thing I've ever seen in the whole healing world is what happens between romantic partners and the, the uh, individual healing that can happen from a partner that helps you with your coping strategies and with your wounds. Uh, if I can help people do that, that would be fascinating. So I've been doing that for about seven years nonstop. I just woke up one day and decided I'm only working with couples uh, and never looked back. And, and it is as endlessly fascinating. I mean, every hour I do, it's always something new that happens uh, with a new version of how to help them connect. So it's just pretty fascinating to me. I love that, you know, and, and it makes so much sense that you value that there's always something new because you focus on reinvention with couples. So it's almost like what I'm hearing is that there's always a reinvention in your own profession as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like when you think of the idea of, let's say couples counseling, uh, you you think of probably, you know, we're going to sit around and we're going to talk and really, really listen and really, really let everyone get their feelings out and really hear their problems. And all of the things I just said don't help at all. They're nice, they're loving, they're kind. There are a lot of things you would want to have happen in individual counseling, but in couples counseling, there has been this invention that is getting more and more scientifically proven, which is called attachment theory. And it's almost a buzzword, like trauma and attachment theory are getting more and more into the main, I wouldn't say maybe a little bit into the main, a little bit into the mainstream, but it is, scientifically proven with big studies that the only way to permanently help a couple become safer with each other is if their attachment bond is worked with. And that is a lifelong art and skill 
I am fascinated with learning and I, you know, I've had the best teachers in my life and it, it truly in like eight to 12 hours uh, helps a couple heal for, for real. And, and it gives them access back to actually solving problems. So I don't help a couple solve problems. I teach them how to solve their own problems. And that's a rebuild from the bottom up. Yeah, I love that that when, you know, the way that you're describing it very much speaks to how every person's its own individual and is going to react and and relate differently to the other person. So knowing each other's attachment styles and working with that is going to, of course, change the dynamics of the relationship. It's not just like the couples counselor, like every, like, here's how, how to make couples work, like the formula, right? It really depends on the people. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one couple, uh, actually two couples now that had 10 therapists Mm. and you might think, you know, 10, I I mean, dedicated to 10 therapists and seven, you know, seven to eight years of going continuously. How is that possible to not help at all? It is very possible if, if the couple isn't contained and shown how to have a different interaction where their individual feelings come out and then those are revealed to the other in actual what I call staging of interactions where I help them connect and say things and feel things in front of each other that they sometimes have never done before, even when they fell in love in the beginning. Mm. That, that has to occur or it won't translate back into their lives. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, you'd think, yeah, in the beginning, everyone's honest, but no, at this, at the same time, the beginning is when you want to most please the other person. Right. And when you're most kind of infatuated. So all the things that you would say aren't being said. (laughs) Yeah. If you're on a second date and your uh, partner treats the waitress, you know, horribly, and you were a waitress in college and you feel that, it's a tremendous threat to say something now. Wow, yeah. So we're going to sweep that under the carpet. And we're going to, you already begin building the unspoken rules of how we don't talk about certain things because it'll hurt too much and we don't know how. Yeah, that's a really big thing that there's just, that there's just all these people out there in relationships and no one has the tools of how to communicate these really honest truths that are, you know, part of someone's identity or or values. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about reinvention, what does reinvention mean to you? It means something happens in a session. Let's, you know, let's, let's call it an hour session with me and a couple and they have an interaction and that translates back into their life. So what that means is the first stage is they're interacting and they start getting into an argument. Now let's call an argument anything that makes you feel bad. Like one person reaches towards the other and the other goes silent and leaves the room. That's an argument. It's equally dangerous if you fight or flee or yell or get in your car and drive away and think that space will actually help, it won't. So reinvention means something happens to where the moment one person says something, the other recognizes, wow, that hurt. That didn't feel good. And when that happens, where they've spent years going into their coping strategies, what they do to deal with that, they first see it, they know it's happening, and then they stop. And that stopping moment where they see something about themselves and how their step in this dance will fuel the fight even further. So if I get defensive because you hurt my feelings and what I usually do then is tell you I'm annoyed, maybe with just my eyes, instead I'm going to stop and say, ouch, like that hurt. Here we are in this moment. And it's embarrassing to say, but the only thing I want to do is attack you right now and tell you something bad about you, but I'm not gonna. 
I'd love to hear what you're hurting about. So I'm going to slow down. Would you tell me again? Because I want to acknowledge that you are hurting and you hurt my feelings and I don't know what to do about it. And I hope Derek tells us what the heck to do in the future with like the yeah. next steps. Cause I have no idea what to do. <laughs> That's so good. I think there's, there's a lot of people that fear that that kind of radical honesty is going to kill the chemistry of a relationship. So can you speak a little to that and how maybe that is a misconception or maybe it's not? Wow. That's interesting. So, uh, the, the only sexual aphrodisiac that lasts a lifetime is emotional openness. So, you know, I'll ask couple, I have a lot of couples that try to fuel connecting by having sex. Now, sex is something that's kind of warm and fuzzy for like many people. And it, it, it is a true connector, but it's a fascinating thing to kind of have a couple stop and ask after they've had sex, are we actually closer? Did we actually achieve anything? And if we didn't have sex and we stopped and held each other's hands and shared about what we're scared about and hiding about and not talking about, that is far, 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 far deeper. And you know, without being explicit here, the, the, the sex is then off the charts. If you have intimacy and you look into each other's eyes and you actually have real just physical chemistry and you add emotional openness, that's that's bliss bliss. I mean that's heaven on earth. Right. Yeah, that is the union of the two souls in, in more ways than just the physical sexual. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Man, that line about the aphrodisiac. Woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you, you can get all the chocolate you want and all the oysters and dress up fancy and go on dates and you can do all the fancy things. Um, or you know, you get into like more exciting, you know, uh, uh, sexy things in the bedroom together, but it all has to escalate. Like, like if you don't actually understand the heart and what's happening and how you feel together, every other aphrodisiac, which might start off really nice and fun, becomes addictive. You have to increase it. And couples keep doing that over and over and over. And about the most it'll last is two years. You know, like I have some couples, like they're both so sexy to each other. They, they just love sex and they've played it out. And you know what? And two years is about the end. You cannot thrive beyond two years if you hurt each other's feelings a lot. It's impossible. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, as... um. As you guys can see, these are the kind of truth bombs that Derek drops on Facebook that kind of leave everyone, you know, it's, it's like, I rarely look at people's posts, but when Derek puts a status up, I'm just like, what does this man have to say? How is he shaking up, you know, in, in a very direct way that kind of leaves you thinking like, oh, wow. So what I'm, what I, what I'd love to do that I've never done on this podcast is that I'm going to read back to you one of one of your latest posts that you've put up and then we okay. can do a deeper dive into it and, and you can talk about the background and, and a little bit more about what you mean and and, it, and give us some examples how does that sound oh wow okay awesome okay so I'll, I'll read the first one to thrive in a relationship you're both not arbiters of truth rather space makers of hurt space makers of hurt moments suspended in isolation <laughs> That, I, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to uh, mention that Derek said that the two things I couldn't talk about with him was architecture and poetry. Yeah, that <laughs> to me is poetry. <laughs> That's probably one of the only posts in a long time where I was like, I just kind of want a clever way to say this. I, I usually just write and it just comes right out. But on that one, I was like, you know, I, I, I just want to <laughs> say this in a new way. The moment a couple has a first line of debating anything to find the truth, what happened, they are actually not in touch with 
their own emotion. What it means is the other person said something, usually in the first three to five seconds, or sometimes zero seconds because they rolled their eyes at them. Yeah. So when I am trying to find the truth in a romantic bond, it often means, now, now I'm describing a distressed relationship. I am not describing a happy, thriving relationship. And a distressed relationship, what happens is one person says something, the other feels hurt, then the other uh, feels anxiety and it feels uncomfortable. So if you share a feeling with me, how often are you right between zero and 100% of the time? How often are you correct in what you're feeling? Well, it's 100. No matter what way you've put together your version of the story, the more complicated it is and the more it seems crazy to the other partner, the more you're actually hurting and confused with each other and not understanding the emotional signals you're sending each other. So if I am trying to find some truth, it actually means I'm trying to correct and change what you're feeling because I'm uncomfortable that you don't like me right now. And that hurts and I will do anything to stop that because the majority of our relationship is not when we're spending time together. It's the one I carry around in my brain 24-7 about what you think of me. Hmm. That is attachment. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of it my, it's mind-blowing. Like, like I used to interrupt couples 90 seconds into what they're saying. Uh-huh. And I sometimes interrupt couples now on their in-breath. Wow. Before they say the first word, I say, I say, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want you to think for a moment about what you're about to say. And I want you to slow down because we, we've been here. We know the next thing you want to do is protect yourself because it hurts you so much what was just said. And it's so confusing to know what to do with that. And you want to tell the other person something they've done to balance it out, but it's not going to help. So be with what you're feeling right now and don't say what you're about to say. And I'm with you. I'm with you. I know how hard that is. So I have to stay with two realities at the same time and go back and forth in tiny little slices with them. Right. Um, and, it's and, so, and, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. so wild that you're saying this because one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, you know, I, I read the book Blink. Are you familiar with it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in blank, which for those of you who aren't familiar, he ta um, he talks about how quickly one really makes decisions and and judgments, and how quickly you know, how, like how quick our brain can really go to to coming to conclusions. And yeah. he talks about how I think, yeah, I think he, it's him who talks about um, being able to tell whether a couple was going to make it or not within like ten seconds of their conversation. Yeah. And I'd love to hear your perspective on that. And what are you picking up on if, if you are doing that um, when you're listening into how people are, are first communicating with each other within those few seconds? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a line that uh, John Gottman talks about a lot, which is this magical word, uh, contempt. And he says that once you cross this line of contempt, uh, it's all over. I unfortunately spent a couple years believing that uh, contempt doesn't just mean I hate my partner and the way they respond to me. Uh, contempt actually also means I hate how painful it is, how I interact in relationship with this person I've probably experienced this before. I cannot make contact with my own pain and reveal it and know how to do that safely. Now, while it is quite difficult in this relationship to do that, it is really possible for a person to make contact with their own feelings when they work with me. So I, I will say a couple that sits down in front of me and I detect in the first 10 minutes actual hatred 
I have absolutely helped them in 12 hours rebuild their relationship because they hate how they feel. Now, the magic of how a person decides to reveal themselves and why they do that and if they feel safe with me, I can't always predict who will do that. And sometimes only one partner is willing. And that's, that's a really painful thing. But how quickly can I detect what's going on? I literally, you know, when I first meet them, I'll let them talk for the first five or 10 minutes because I really do want to see their conflict because 95% of the time there is a pursuer and a withdrawer. And I really need to know which is which. And that's really helpful. But after I hear them say a few things about the content of what they're talking about, I could turn my speaker down and just watch them interact and then turn the volume back up and say, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me help you here. Because they have sent each other sometimes in five minutes, a couple hundred negative signals of emotion. And every single one of those I could have interrupted to help them see what just happened. I don't do it so quickly in the first, you know, hour I meet somebody, but, you know, I, I let them get to know me a little. But in the second hour, I just need them to have one statement where one person gets hurt and we can do something with that. That's, I mean, it, it's not like I can tell in the first five or 10 minutes. I can tell in one sentence what's really happening. Yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, I think that's what you mentioned about maybe people aren't able to communicate their emotions with each other, but they are with you. I think that's such an important part of working with someone because who you're working with is their inner child, really, most of the time, right? Yeah, you make a really interesting point. It brings me to something I haven't, I haven't <clears throat> uh, shared in a while. So two people sit down in front of me. They feel unsafe. They're not attached. So what am I? I am a temporary attachment figure for them. I actually state their experience internally that they're unaware of. And I name what they go through and help them see and feel it very accurately when they can't see it. So once they feel safe with me and they see that I name it and I deeply connect with them, when I say deeply connect with them, I'm not just talking intellectually. I feel with them their dilemma. Sometimes tears are pouring down my face and they make a connection with me. But you gotta, rem you gotta remember, their partner is witnessing this happening. So their partner sees them connecting with me. Then I move over to the other partner because usually what was said by the first partner is really hard on the other person mm. because they're not versed yet in hearing each other's pain. So if you're in pain, mostly what the other person is searching for is how they're at fault for it because they've been blamed the whole time for the other person's pain. So I need to go back and forth in tiny slices. And when they're ready, then I help them interact and reveal it to each other in their words, because everyone who feels safe is a great communicator. Sometimes they try to hear my words and I say it so succinctly and I'm articulate and I, and I have to say, wait, 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 don't take notes right now. You're not memorizing my words. Your words are going to be different. Like when you're fully alive again with your person. Right. Yeah. And hearing you describe this, it just, it's what makes couples in um, the conflict that comes up within a couple so complicated because it's someone that you really want to please and someone that reminds you maybe of your childhood trauma. And at the same time, you're, you're in pain. So it's that confusion, right? And, and so you're there to kind of help them see through that confusion and through the, the barriers. Yeah. It's like, you're the one who has harmed me the most and you're my closest person. And Derek's going to step in and ask one partner to risk their heart and be vulnerable and risk opening themselves directly to the person who's harmed them the most. That's why they need my help with that process. 
So powerful and brings me to the next truth bomb on your Facebook, which is the only way couples can disagree and remain deeply safe and connected emotionally is to hold each other's fears and longings and pain and feel deeply understood about the disagreement. Yeah. If I hear you say something and I disagree, it actually means I don't like how you've thought about something and then put feelings on top of the thoughts and especially how you've made meaning out of that, what that means. So if you're hurting that I don't spend enough time with you, I don't have any capacity to feel anything about what you're going through which is the main thing you need before we plan our weekly calendar, what you really need me to feel is empathy and understanding about the pain you go through and being frustrated that we don't spend enough time together. But I cannot give you that because I am busy protecting myself that I'm getting it wrong and I'm inadequate and you see me as a person who doesn't care. And I really care about people and damn it, like, that's not okay. I'm a really good person and everyone else likes me in my life except you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so when we're both defending those things, we literally think we're talking about time and planning and we are not. 90% of it is we need to understand each other's experience especially when we disagree because that means something's hurting only then can we have a conversation about how much time you'd like to spend with me in a relationship what's your what's your thing and you know what often they're going to both say about three and a half days a week but hearing each other's pain gives them their access back to creativity to solve that problem right yeah I love that, the access to creativity. And you mentioned, you know, that it's crucial to understand each other. So what what does it mean to you to understand the other? Uh, It means in, in this level of bonding we're talking about romantically, it means if we're gonna interact and be close, That specifically means take our clothes off and be sexual and be open at that level. It's a very different relationship from most relationships. The bond is incredibly deep. What it automatically means is we're going to let each other down. We need to learn how to elegantly hurt each other's feelings and then care about that. Wow. If we're in a relationship where we're trying not to hurt each other's feelings, you're going to wind up in Derek's office seven years later and you don't (laughs) want, you don't want that. Believe me, it's bad by the time they get to me most, you know, most of the time we can solve it and I'm really happy to help you, but it's really bad if you try to not hurt each other's feelings. So what do we do? We understand each other very specifically and it's like, oh, I'm kind of getting the chills right now because it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to give us all the bad news. I need to fully understand how much I upset you and what you don't like about me. I need to fully grasp how I let you down in relationship and what that does for you. And if I'm busy trying to fix it and do the right thing and immediately put the light bulb back when it burns out because it bothers you, like when the lights are out in the house, if I'm doing all these things to fix it. I'm not actually hearing your desires and your yearnings and what is letting you down. Often, actually, as a man, uh, I will have a list of 25 things I need to do to like be there for you. And often, like you just want three of them. So we're way off. So understanding each other means I understand how you're hurting and what you're hurting about. And I sit in the enormously, sometimes confusing, lingering with you of your struggle around that. And you feel that I understand deeply about your pain and I deeply care about it. And all of this has nothing to do with a behavior change. It can't, because if you want more days a week than I can give you, because I fly all around the country and I'm not available enough, then 
the behavior change might be we FaceTime every night or we text and we're responsive to each other's texts. But that only will actually happen for real if we understand each other's heart and where we're hurting. Right. Otherwise, it just continues. It just turns into a continual request of more behaviors and more behaviors to change. Right. It's like, what's the next thing that I can ask you to change? Yeah. A relationship based on compromise uh, might be like a wise relationship that we, you know, hear about on Oprah. Like, how did you do it? How did you stay married for 70 years? Well, we compromised. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not sure you were close. Mm. Right. Like you, you stayed together, but how close were you? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you captured a human. Congratulations. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I think most people aren't aware of the fact that, you know, when you have all these things, you're holding back all these desires and needs that you're not communicating, you're bringing that into the space. Like you might have it in your thoughts, but it's in your energy. It's in the way that you're communicating, that you're showing up. It's literally like in the energy that you're emitting to the other person. So that is in the space already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't have any problem with like the idea of energy and what you're, what you're doing back and forth. But I always try to take that stuff to the concrete. If you are thinking about something continuously, it's not being properly processed in your relationship. Yeah. If you're thinking about it, that's actually happening. And if it won't go away, that's actually happening. And if it's something that your partner can feel your pain with you uh, with, then that needs to happen. It's totally separate from then the behavior. They might not be able to help you with your the behavior, but feeling gotten is is critical. That's why I did the you know the website understandeachother.com. You you know you know I watch for this and I laugh about it every single time I have a couple and I just met them and in in the first thirty to forty minutes I, this is almost a hundred percent of the time they say the phrase understand each other. It's like, it's the most common thing. Like, like we don't understand each other. It's yeah, it's like, yeah, you send signals to each other and you don't know what they mean. And I know what they mean because I'm out here and I'm not triggered, but they're right. triggered. They're triggered by a signal. So they have to know what those signals mean. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's something that, that you said that I wanted to, to bring up. Um, I lost it. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that means it's 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 that means I'm moving on to to the next truth bomb. Yeah, perfect. Your most delicate dance is telling your beloved what what you need with conviction while remaining humble with your request. Yeah. How does one yeah. practice that humility when asking for something from from your partner while at the same time communicating with conviction? Yeah. Communicating with conviction, if I, if I translate that a little bit, it's, it's not conviction like, uh, you, know, you know, pounding your hand down on the table and, and being really serious about what you're saying. And that's not the conviction part. The conviction part is being deeply, deeply in touch with your yearning and your desire or often with you know a just distressed couple what's hurting so the conviction might be struggling to say in a way something that's not feeling good like i'm getting really concerned that we're 6 months into dating and you told me you smoked pot once a week and it's four times a week hmm. and that is informing me that we might have struggles with connection and intimacy and closeness because you get high a lot. And I'm not gonna change you, but I am scared. I am nervous about how when you're high, there's no relationship that I can even see as possible because you're simply with me for hours and gone. Like we're, we can't make contact. So I want to be really clear. You can do that if you want to do that in your life. And it's hurting me and it's causing me tremendous fear and anxiety. 
So what did I do with those words just now? First of all, I purposefully went in circles and struggled a little bit because vulnerability is the opposite of competence. Right. If you're talking very succinctly, like I'm doing right now, where I'm telling you how it is, I'm, I'm educating and I'm explaining something, I'm probably fueling a conflict in romantic relationship. Yeah, but if something's like it's coming, yeah, yeah. it just sounds like it's coming from a place yeah. of let me look good, let me have a control here. Yeah, yeah. And being humble is, I don't care how long you've been together, when you get distressed, you literally cannot see the other person as a full person who gets hurt by your words it 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 because it moves from like i thou to i it like you are an it and you are the object of my frustration and if i repeatedly tell you something that's bothering me antagonistically or aggressively without being incredibly humble about what it could do to you to hear that and I'm not slowing down and having a moment of silence with that and being with the struggle of how sensitive we all are and how sensitive this human is in front of me. We, there's no such thing in my world as highly sensitive people. There's highly sensitive people and closeted highly sensitive people. <laughs> if it appears that you're really confident and you're not that sensitive and you're rough and tumble, uh, it's just, it's, it's, your wounding from infancy and toddlerhood that has now come into your life. And that's fine. We, you know, I don't know if we'd have medicine and science the way we do without some people focused on all that stuff. Yeah. So it's okay. I just don't want to be in close intimate contact with someone who's rough and tumble and doesn't want to be in touch with their feelings. Yeah. I, you know, I, I remember what I was going to say and and it has to do with this on, on, on two spectrums. So what I was going to say is, is on one hand, at first you're talking about how pain averse we are. Yep. Yeah. Like in a way we're so afraid of hurting each other and so afraid of experiencing hurt. So yeah, if you make the point of the relationship be like, we're never going to hurt each other, then you're doomed to fail. And then at the same time, now you're, you're mentioning the awareness and the connection we have to have with the pain and sensitivity on that that is you know the other person like yep. being really aware of what the other person is going to feel as you um as you express yourself yeah so my job is to enhance unfold unravel and open up how much pain you're in if you've been out of touch with it I need to do different variations of this. Like there's part where I do like a soft, slow and low thing where I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that's been really, really hard. But there's another part where I almost have to do this improvisational exaggeration of their feelings to bring them in touch with it. It's like, oh my God. So when you get home, you sit in the car for an extra three minutes as you stare at your house that you worked so hard all day long to like pay for the mortgage on today and you walk in your house and literally you put your hand on the door and then you gulp and you gasp that you have to walk into like two kids running around and you know you're going to get criticized and bombarded by your wife the moment you walk in you know that's going to hurt like what's that like to stand out there by the door all alone and be with that. Like what is happening inside you right now as you feel that you don't even want to go in. You'd like to get back in your car and drive away forever. And when that happens over and over and over and every detail is brought out like that, eventually, you know, the man says, yeah, it's, it's, it's so painful. I want to die inside. And then I'll say, where are you? Are you drowning? Are you in a pool? Are you up against a wall with with dogs, you know, blocking you. And then, you know, and then he says, oh my God, I'm in the closet under a blanket like I used to do when I was a kid. That is a memory. Now, now the goal isn't to just say, hey, everything's related to childhood. Let's process your childhood stuff. But it is what's actually happening inside him and it gets him in touch. So guess what happens when enough of that occurs with 
him and me. Eventually, just two or three hours into processing this with me, he will walk into the house and have a different experience and know that, yeah, might get criticized. And now he's in touch with what happens for him. And he won't run up to his room and turn on porn and turn on his iPad and watch movies and escape it all. He will stand right there and know it's okay to feel the hurt. And he will not attack and defend and protect and become loud and raging. He has a different choice, not because of thinking differently and being a good person. He has a different choice because in his fear center, in his limbic system, it is a notch safer because he's got that experience that we did together. And ideally, I'm keeping his wife at the same exact level, meaning I've helped them slowly be intimate and risking and caring, not one person doing it too much faster than the other. So when he responds differently, let's say she does criticize him. When he responds differently, she knows that happened. And when he says, can I have the soft version of my wife? Will you be that soft version? Remember that? Mm -hmm. Then she actually has a chance to become soft and she knows that's happening. And by the way, I just went in this one direction of, you know, you know, criticizing a man. Believe me, men criticize women. It it goes the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all of these defense mechanisms, right. And in these moments where the, there is no safety and, and it's so interesting that, you know, what, what you talk a lot about is having people feel their pain and feel safe and feel each other's pain and, and feel so much validation. It's such a dance. It's such a, such a like slow unfolding. And, and really the, the only way out is through is what I'm hearing. The only way out is through and people are so confused about going through and you know my favorite one of all is you know we need some space from each other it's like well no it it doesn't do a thing you know seven eight years ago i i've i helped some couples you know take six months of space and get a separate apartment and then they come back and then they fall in love Mm. for 36 hours right (laughs) and then they have the same exact fight I had this one brilliant couple, they, they did a couple hours, no, they did about, about three or four hours of work. And they said, oh my God, we did this thing this morning. You know, I said, what? And they said, we woke up and turned and looked at each other. And we said, I'm sorry for how I'm going to probably let you down today. Oh. And then the other person said it. I like, like seriously said it, making eye contact. Yeah. And they lowered the bar so much about how scary it is to love another human and get it right that the humility just brought them right into connection Mm, that's so good lower lowered the bar and then it's all uphill from there yeah that's so good because i think you know people think about seeing someone to help them on their marriage or or their partnership and it's like let's get rid of all the problems let's get rid of the conflict let's get rid of the hurt Whereas yeah. what's happening here is changing the relationship to all of that. Yeah. 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 It, it's a permanent change. If we interacted in the first session in the first hour and we hooked them up to an MRI machine, the part of the brain that would be lighting up is the same part as if a rattlesnake entered the room. Oh my God. Now think about that for a moment. If a rattlesnake came into the room there wouldn't be like a moderate discussion about what we should do next, right? Yeah. Like everybody would be diving out of the room. Yeah. Now think about that for a moment. That's the body's first defense to protecting itself. And it knows what to do with virtually no thinking whatsoever. There's no thinking. There's barely any emotion. There's adrenaline that directs the person to protect themselves. That is what's happening in relationship when I say, you know, you don't spend enough time with me. The same part of the brain lights up until they do the counseling. And this is actually real. If the brain was lit up on an MRI after, you know, eight to 12 hours of repairing this, rebuilding this, 
the MRI would not light up that section of the brain. The fear is gone. And I talk about that because of actual studies uh, uh, done on attachment counseling. It's, it's, it's actually been done. I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking about real studies. And there's second and third types of marriage therapy that have been studied and the effectiveness is up there at like between 17 and 23%. Uh, one's like a MAGO therapy or something. But attachment marriage counseling is upwards of 85 to 87% in the studies. That's incredible. There's actually nothing worldwide uh, that has been studied that actually works like attachment. And, and with the way humans work, it's my only belief now. Yeah, I really see it. And, and you know, we have this kind of attention starting to show up also in the way we're eating and the way we're working out and you know of course it makes sense that that it's you know it's going to help to put that kind of attention onto our relationships and see seeing them you know on an individual level and seeing what comes up and yeah so so it absolutely makes sense yeah the thing that keeps me up at night is how complicated it is to get good at attachment work and how much is not yet done in schools. There are not master's degree and PhD programs yet in the world that are focused for two to three years on couples. Right. Uh, they literally read one or two books and then they become therapists and they hang their shingle out and they say, hey, I work with couples now. Right. And that's why you have clients who are coming to you that have had 10 years of right of working with therapists or have worked with 10 therapists like you said exactly exactly and if you're sitting as a couple with a, a, a counselor a therapist uh, a specialist and you are talking about your problems and you walk out of there and you don't know if you were helped then you weren't helped if you're questioning what happened and you don't actually have an experience of like looking at each other differently and feeling something deep in the heart. Like, wow, I, I saw you. I, I had no idea that you felt that way. I just thought you hated me. I had no idea the fueling of our fight actually meant that's how much we want to love each other. I had no idea. Did you? You know, and that needs to happen. I get to watch couples walk out of my home office and walk down the stairs and then walk to their car and then like kiss. So yeah. Rewarding. And they haven't had, and they have, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they haven't had sex in two years. Oh my gosh. I mean, that kiss, I'm sure, is more than, you know, more than, than the sex, just that, that kiss in itself. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I get to see couples be closer than they've ever been before in any moment together. I cannot imagine how rewarding that must be. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, it's, so it's, it's like, really? Well, you make it sound really simple. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just really love the messages that you're putting out there. It feels like you're really waking everyone up. No. Yeah, waking people up into like, wake up, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that we're personally responsible for what's happening in our relationships. And there is a different yeah. way that we can show up. So um, how can, how can my listeners get in touch with you? Um, and are they, you know, are they allowed to, to friend you on Facebook to follow these true thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just my name, Derek Hart is D E R E K H A R T. My Facebook personal page seems to be the, the, the main place I still post stuff. It'll, It'll become more YouTube and Instagram soon, but it's Facebook. Yeah, I finally unfriended a bunch of people that were that were just like kind of blanks. Mm. So I have I have space. I finally have like seventy five more people. But when you friend me on Facebook, um, you're following me, and everything I post is public, and I get all messages. It's identical to friending me. Perfect. Yeah, and and Derek also responds to you if you comment on his status. So yeah. And he will get yeah. back to you. How, and how else can, can people get in touch with you? The website is understandeachother.com. Not to be confused with understanding each other. It's not that. It's understandeachother.com. And I still have it up there. You can watch the first video and then you can schedule an intro call with me and couples still do that. And there's no charge for that. Um, but tr please try to make it couples. 
Um, if you're really, really struggling and your partner will not come, you, you can also sign up for a call. And, um, and that's a video call. And you'll, you'll actually know if you show up as a couple, you, you'll, you'll be interacting differently the way I'm talking about now in, in 30 minutes. And also if you friend me I, and say, hey, I'd like a link to see one of your calls in 30 minutes, then I'll just send you over to YouTube. And I put one, I put one on yesterday, yesterday that people really like. It's, it's the first 30 minutes um, of a session with a couple and they're interacting and going deep very fast. And, 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 you know, I mean, I mean, it was a really long, you know, definitely a couple years of struggling around this topic. And in 30 minutes, they understood what they were fighting about uh, more clearly than they, oh, they ever man. did. So, and they, you know, they become a long-term client. So that's right. If you search for my name also on YouTube, uh, I pop up pretty quick. Uh, and you'll, you, you know, the first couple videos on there are pretty good. That, that video I just said with the real couple is on there. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That's like yeah. the kind of stuff we need to hear, you know, real live, um, situations yeah. happening. Yeah. And that's coming soon. I've put together a, a documentary, uh, that'll be here in the next couple months. Yeah. And, I remember you were saying yeah. that you were filming. That's cool. Now I know what it was all about. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did a Hollywood set with a director and producer and cameraman and lighting and two and a half hours interview of me. But that's what we did differently was we had four couples fly in and we did four live one hour sessions on set. And those four sessions uh, will be in the documentary and you'll actually see what occurs with people. So I'm sure they'll pick the best scenes out of that. Yeah, I love that. I can't um, wait to watch it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really. And then the, actually the next day we did a four couple group. So that's the next thing I'll be doing workshops and groups. And now group interaction is very powerful. Mm. Uh, when, when couples all trust me, but then when they see each other, there's a magic that happens in how they can support each other. Words that I could never say. Mm. What, you know, when they're sharing what's going on with them to another couple and how they. So then they're teaching others which seals in the change to their relationship when they teach it. So that's pretty unbelievable. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So good. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Commitment Vogue. If you like what you heard, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, share it with ex-lovers, share it with your family. So that way we can get the word out and continue having these vulnerable conversations not just on this podcast but amongst yourselves and with you and your friends and the people around you that you care about also if you want to learn about how to work with me or what i do you can check out the links in the bio of this episode where you'll find my website and a link to my instagram account and also if you're interested in having a conversation with me there's a link that you can find there to a free discovery call and you can tell me a little bit more about the kind of stuff that you're going through and what you'd need support with. You can also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting about my latest discoveries in my own personal journey and love sharing wisdom with everyone that follows. And please head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. I would super appreciate it. See you next time.